If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Change Physician Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Kukara, with my fantastic co-host, Dr. Melissa Cady, and our returning guest, our amazing returning guest, Dr. Aaron Weissman. You may have uh, caught her in a previous episode, um, which was be published just before this one, actually, so it's pretty close to this. And um, we asked her back after that particular episode because she had this amazing thing. Now, Dr. Wiseman has her own podcast. It's called Dr. Me First. She has over 200 episodes. So she's been doing this for quite some time, interviewing amazing people, um, really a focus on kind of the female physician experience, if I'm looking at correctly. And when we were talking, I think either after the episode, it might've been after the episode, you mentioned that you bring onto your show your guests, and you ask them to basically talk about the word, the one word. And so I love that idea. I just thought that was a fantastic way to open a conversation. And of course, I wanted to steal it and bring it on, bring you onto the show so you can demonstrate it, what it is that you do through the Dr. Me First podcast and what is the word and more specifically, what is your word? My word today is change. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. So appropriate for our podcast. <laughs> Quite exactly. appropriate. And the times, you know, particularly given when we're recording this episode, but yeah, exactly. And so why I brought that today was I remember like so many times in medical school in residency, like it's going to be, I'm going to get there and then I'm going to arrive. But what I've really found out is like, it's always perpetual change. Always. Like when you start a business, you start a podcast, you start a new practice, like it just does not stay the same. So like getting comfortable with change has been such a theme in my life, especially through 2020. And so that's why I'm bringing it to you guys today. Um, I didn't even think about the name of your podcast, but yeah, it definitely, I mean, even just in this week. Um, we've been in school, out of school, in school, out of school, we're back out of school and, and like just being okay with, with the change and being like, okay, here we go again, or in business. Um, gosh, I've had so much things that I've had to like up level and change or, uh, for instance, the, the, the website I do my billing through no longer is supporting PayPal. So now I'm like, all right. How are we going to change and shift with this? And I think it's just so important to remind myself, like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I have to continually tell myself that right now. It's like, no, I'm not effing things up right now. This is just what it is. It's just change. And like, I can either resist it and get really pissed about it and like have all the big feelings plus like all the self guilt and the shame and everything piled on myself. Or I can say, okay, like, this is normal. This is what happens. This is a sign of growth. This is a sign of movement. Like if you were static, that's when things, you know, get all nasty and rotty in the body. Same thing in our lives. If we just stay in one place. So truly, I mean, when you ask me like, what am I living in right now? I'm living in the middle of change. Which is the epitome of life itself. Um, you know, it's, it, it reminds you of that necessity to be able to pivot 
and to be adaptable. And uh, I think it's the essence of resiliency. And uh, without that ability to cope with change and be resourceful and find solutions, and which is the epitome of being an entrepreneur is finding solutions to problems. Um, you know, if you're not if you're not able to do that, like you said, you're static and uh, your progress, whether it's from a career standpoint, personally, your personal development, um, it you start getting stagnated and probably negative emotions that really uh, keep you from from really making those uh, successful ventures uh, happen. So, um, yeah, I think that that's a great word. I love it. Well, and it reminds me too, like bend so you don't break. And, oh. and just like reminding myself, like, I am not broken. I'm just being a little bit flexible. And also it helps me prioritize, like, what is truly important in the situation? So again, I mentioned the thing with my kids. My kids are all elementary pre preschool age. And I had to go to my boss a couple of weeks ago because I still do clinical work. And I was like, we got to change things. Like for the foreseeable future, I am not only mom and doctor, I am now teacher. Because I had to sit back and be like, what? what are my priorities in life? And why did I make these changes initially? Well, it was for my family so that I could be around. And now I'm leaving them with a babysitter to like teach them. Mm. And so just reminding myself again, like just bend, bend where you want to. And then also like just setting those good boundaries and saying, no, like, no, I'm kind of going through some change right now. It's not going to work. So I told my place of employment, like, after the academic year ends, we'll read because it'll probably have changed by then and I'll come back around. And so it is, it's, it's what good resiliency is. Um, I sometimes hate the word resiliency because to me, it was hammered into me in residency. Like resiliency was like how strong your armor was rather than that internal adaptation of, of health. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's, it brings up a lot of, a lot of important discussion about different words, because when each word has a definition and a meaning and the meaning and definition means things to different people. So this, this we have to have a common sort of, you have, to, you always want to check what the meaning is on something. Cause like resiliency, like I, I see that when you look at the resiliency and burnout conversation, in most of the healthcare systems, and they're so ridiculous when they're throwing around these terms. And they're doing it in such a way that really doesn't doesn't give. I don't, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but doesn't doesn't support the true meaning of the world. So that, you know, resiliency and burnout, physician burnout is a big thing. Go do yoga. It's not about that, and and resiliency in particular, like you said, is not about armor. It's the ability to change and adapt. And a huge thing about resiliency is being able to when when something bad occurs, is to not only just resist it, but to actually bend, adapt, and come back stronger from that process. And that I think is is gets missed in a lot of this stuff. So, um, adding on to your change, your, your change word, I think resiliency actually fits that really well because resiliency, in its true form is all about change. A resilient thing has to change and adapt to everything that's coming coming toward it, through it, uh, behind it, um, whatever, you know, whatever, wherever it is. A resilient thing has to change in order for it to be resilient. Otherwise it's brittle. And we don't definitely want to go through brittle. Well, and that's what I was just getting ready to say. Like 
Where I get pissed when we start talking about organizational resiliency is when an organization demands resiliency out of individuals, but yet makes no adaptation for that comeback. It's just like hammered, 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 hammered. And of course you can't come back. So that's where I get frustrated when organizations talk about resiliency, because as physicians, you complete me, we're resilient as fuck. Like you don't get to this place until you already have some internal um, self-motivating resiliency. And then to demand more out of us or send us to resiliency training, bullshit alarm is going off right there. But you're right. Like there are things that we can adapt and, and we can do mindfulness or hell, I'm a coach. So, you know, I'm all about those things, but I also put my foot down when the demand for personal resiliency comes before any systemic changes. Yeah. You know, you gave me two thoughts um, on, and I'm really glad you brought that up to bring up this whole misuse of resiliency, um, is, is this idea that when things, when you need to change, you need to go with the flow and it's not really your fault. You're trying to adapt in a way that's healthy and in alignment with who you are and what your priorities are. You know, you need it. Sometimes the systems make you feel badly for those choices when they're right for you and you already have an innate resilience about you. You just have a conviction that maybe this needs to be better or the patient needs to be treated better, but yet somehow it's flipped on you in this almost a um, manipulative way that it's, you're the weaponized. Yeah. Yes. Against you. And yet when you're really healthy in your resilience, it doesn't mean you put up with the shit out there because when it's the wrong kind of stuff, you, you shouldn't be just taking it all the time. And I've been learning this the hard way sometimes in my life, um, especially in this medical system, the way it's, it's set up and most of us know about it. But when you, when you have a conviction about what's right and wrong and it's used against you, it's just, it's flat out wrong. Um, and so I think this whole idea of, of change and adapting, like there's a certain point you can, you know, go with the flow, but the other system that is kind of creating the problem many times, um, it, it should never be just thrown at us. Um, no, I mean, it's trauma. One of my good friends and one of the nation leader and physician coaches, Dr. Kara Pepper down in Atlanta, Georgia, is doing so much work around second victim phenomenon, second victim syndrome, specifically in physicians. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been talked about in the nursing you know, world for a little while, but it's like, no, no, we have got to start recognizing that there's the first victim. And hey, by the way, we're the second and, and there's actually studies now that show like, like moving through that process in a healthy way um, really decreases that trauma and triggering the next time around you walk into that OR room or the next time you see a patient demographic that's similar to that one that you had a couple of years ago. Because I guarantee all of us still have all of those stories in our pocket mm-hmm. that we can think of. They still populate in our dreams. They still like... You walk into um, ER room nine and you, you know them. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to recognize that it's not just what we do to our patients and for our job, but what is it doing to us? And I think that's the part of resiliency to say like, yes, this is my sliver, but also knowing the part to be like, no, 
no, no, no. Like I'm not a military serve, you know, soldier in the army here. No, I'm not a Superman. You know, right now there's a lot of t-shirts that say like superheroes work here and it's got the medical professional and the mask. I don't want to be a superhero. Like I, I want to show up and be the best physician that I can, but when you get into superhero thinking, then you're not processing your feelings. You're trying to save everyone despite the danger to yourself. And so I think we really have to get away from that rhetoric. I'm just laughing because I'm like, you know, an organization will give you a sign that says we have superheroes and it's really, well, why don't you give me PPE and safe working conditions? I think I'd prefer that than having to act like a superhero. Um, but oh yeah, it just, just hit the nail on the head with that. And the, it's just absolutely astounding, and particularly as a physician. I think I'm going to reflect this back to the change thing again, is these systems that should be resilient, aka the healthcare system. Can you think of anything that is more prone to change than the human condition? And yet we have a health system that is so rigid it, and it's, and it's, in the way it does things that it doesn't allow us to change with the times very easily. Look at, you know, what happened with COVID and all of a sudden all these inappropriate procedures, I'm sorry, all the elective procedures, all the stuff that, that doesn't need to be get done, but is being done all the time had to shut down. And the system almost collapsed because they didn't have any money anymore. And where, you know, I, un I understand how the policies sort of get into place and that human systems as they get bigger and bigger, get more and more complex, but we've taken away the ability in healthcare to adapt to what we have, to adapt to who, who in it serves th their patients for the, what's in the best interest of the patients themselves. You know, why did it take so long for us to adopt telemedicine in such a way that we are now? Oh, because we had a global pandemic is because we didn't have this technology. You know, we you, you couldn't figure out. I've been out doing a way since 2017, but yes, it like it took a pandemic for for the the mainstream to come on board and be like, oh, maybe that is how we can serve patients better, better. and let doctors work from home. Who knew? But you know what? It comes down to money. When they don't have the money and they need to find a way to get the money. <laughs> then that's enough motivation for them to trial out something they're not comfortable with yet. I don't know. That's my take on it. Well, we're not, we've talked about this before. We don't, it's not like we're, I think any of us are going to demonize the fact that people make money. No. The fact of the matter is how, how you should be making money when the money serves your mission and the mission of healthcare is to help people get well. So we should be paid to help people get well, or if they're sick to get better um, and be able to adapt that system in such a way that we can do it effectively, given that we're not, you know, this is not 50 years ago. We don't have to do the silly things that we had to do then because we didn't have the facilities, the technology or anything else to adapt. Like, well, we, and as doctors, like having our own, like we should, we should be benefiting and we should, we should be paying for, for wellness, for, for overall, you know, and I, I'm primary care. So, you know, this is like shoved down our throat as far as metrics and A1Cs and foot exams and like checking all the damn boxes to prove that you're a good doctor. When in fact, I, I think we're off on that. I really, really do. I, I, and I, you know, I'm seeing so many more friends, colleagues moving into the DPC world. And I, I think patients are following and healthcare systems 
are going to have to start looking at it because what doctors are seeking, I have a good friend that she talks about physicians as being some of the most creative people in the world. They are desperate for autonomy. And when you're stuck in, this is how we do things, stay in the lines, the lines are your friend, and there's no deviation. Like you said, whoever reads the textbooks when they walk into our office or a hospital, like it just doesn't happen. And that's the hardest thing as a medical student is realizing like that the multiple choice questions, that ain't real world. That's just getting your score so you can move on in life. But I think that's why we're seeing such a, um, a change with U.S. physicians is that they are craving that autonomy to just say, like, to have the space to say, I don't know, and let's try this out together instead of, I don't know, I don't have time, so I'm going to throw a bunch of labs and a CT scan at you, and I'll see you back in two weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that whole idea of, of um, autonomy or being creative, I think it ties right into the word you said, change. There's there's something about allowing change to happen by being creative. And that is very appealing for people that have a lot of ideas, especially when not everything is just black and white when it comes to medicine and that there's a lot of gray and that you need that, you know, um, there's a little bit of ad adaptability or, or different ways of looking at things to help solve the problem. Um, so I don't, I, for some reason it just feels like being creative, being allowed to be creative is part of that whole change. Uh, oh, it's healthy mindset. Like that's the first thing I do with my clients when they come to me is I have to get them dreaming, creative and, and brainstorming again, because so many people get locked into black or white, A or B, like all or nothing. And, and like shifting back out of that, then you realize you're like, Oh, I got lots of possibilities in this situation. I'm not like burned out and dying or moving away to Tahiti to get away from it all. Like there's a whole spectrum of things in the middle here. And actually like I get to control a lot of them. I, I love that. It just makes me laugh because um, there's almost like this path. I'd be curious on, on your take on this, Aaron, but you get in the system and then you're like, okay, wait a second. This is really not geared around helping people to get well, which I think most of us went into medicine because we want to see people get better, not like be managed and, you know, not actually address anything, but prescribe something that kind of covers up the symptom. Um, but then like for me, the first thought I thought when was, okay, how do I retire? Right. So there, and I kind of think this is one of the popularities. Like if you look at like the physician kind of space, it's all the save your money, passive, you know, money, 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 so that you can stop and do something. And I guess, um, and, I, and I can understand that, but the risk of focusing only on how much you earn in order so you can retire early is that you're actually mortgaging your time now rather than saying, what are the skills I have? How can I adapt to create the life that I want, knowing that things are changing so quickly? And, and kind of freeing yourself from the constraints. Like, cause I would, you know, so many doctors are like, well, I wanna, I, I don't wanna practice medicine again. Well, well, what is it that you don't wanna practice? Why do you hate medicine? I hate the check boxes. I hate being responsible for all these little metric numbers that are really meaningless in my patient population. Cause I only can spend three minutes with them when I can't actually spend time. And so, you know, from a physician standpoint, 
it's just great when you can start saying, well, you can be more creative about your life and start crafting the life that you want now, um, recognizing that there are choices that you have and there's some hard ones and there's some easier ones. Um, but if you just kind of change and move away from that rigid format of practice this way, practice this way, you know, whatever in the system, uh, it, 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 it it is a more resilient way of thinking. It is a more flexible way of thinking. And I'd like to think it actually helps people with adapting to future related change. Actually, that's a good point. Like for you, given all the changes that you've been through in your life, and now 2020 hits, which is like the purple swan of 20 of, of catastrophic events. It's like every week you're like, well, what's going to happen now? A murder hunter. It's the last week. And this week is going to be wildfires that are burning my state up. How, I'm sure it's been stressful, but how has how do you think old Aaron would have been as compared to new Aaron with all your background and things that you're doing now? Yeah, I love that you asked me that question because I've pondered it quite a bit. But before I jump into that, I am going to answer. I think so many people are focusing on passive income and building some kind of side hustle because they are so desiring control of something that they don't feel like they have control over. And I don't think they've asked themselves the right questions. Like you said, like, what is it about medicine that you hate? Because many times when the people who come coach with me, it's not the medicine. They love helping people. They love being a GI specialist or a pulmonologist or a pediatrician or a podiatrist. They love that shit, but it's the system. And that's why I tell them, I'm like, you know, don't grow where you're planted. You go get a new garden. If you love this, like it can be figured out. And so I think the, the push for um, passive income and side hustles is kind of like a way out. But I always caution people, you take yourself wherever you go. So if you don't work on that stuff here and you just jump into the next thing, you'll burn out again. You'll come back and you'll need to coach with me in a couple of years. So when you burn out in your side hustle because you're flipping real estate or doing whatever. So like, like you said, like, don't leverage your, your time equity that you have now, like for the next thing. I saw a quote recently and it was like, the question was, is it the journey or the destination? And the answer was, it's, it's the people along the way. It gets that it's the life that happens. It's neither. And so I think that's really important, but getting back to like, what would old Aaron done compared to now? I'll be perfectly honest. I've lost my shit several times in 2020. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say like, I am no, like got all my Zen together. I don't, but what I can say now where I am today compared to where I was six years ago, it's, it's been shorter periods of time. And like having the self-awareness to come in and be like, okay, I'm having a big feeling right now. I don't know what it is, but it's a big feeling. Whereas before I just would have got stuck in that thought tornado and been like, oh my God, chicken little, the sky is falling. Like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And so that I think has been the biggest change to me is just having like self-awareness to be like, okay, like this is a big, big deal. Another rule I give myself is 24 hours. You have 24 hours to be a Debbie Downer or a pouting Patty or whatever it is. But after that 24 hours, like it's time to look at some things. And so that's been a really good rule for me with COVID. Um, it's kind of like my strategy recovery plan. But another really big thing that I don't think old Aaron would have been able to do would have been able to be comfortable with the pivots. 
I would not have been able to be comfortable to have hard conversations with my practice and say like, this is not working. I would have gutted it through. I would have kept trying. Um, in my business recently, I've had to make a lot of like, you know, they say, um, sometimes you have to cut your darlings. Like there's been some things that I've had to trim out of my business because I'm like, I just do not have the mental bandwidth to deal with that right now. So like, I'm going to put it on the shelf and I'm going to say, maybe I'll come back to it. But for right now, this is not a priority. Whereas before, I think I would have just tried to like, keep doing all the things like the energizer bunny until I was like dead on the floor. And so I'm proud of myself for at least recognizing those things. Yeah. I, I just, one of my last questions is kind of related to a few things you've said, um, kind of said it on a, a couple things repeated, uh, just pushing yourself through or gutted it through um, or just let yourself like fall flat on the floor. What is it you think that is in us or in you in particular that makes you do that? Like what, what, what do you think it is that's driving that? I know what my answer is, but I would like to hear you guys' answer on that too. So my answer is, damn, I was raised with work ethic. I used to say, I may not be the smartest kid in the medical school class, but I'll outwork all your asses. Like, yeah. and same thing with residency. I mean, it just, I think I was just raised with like that innate, if you work hard enough, things will work out. And what I've realized if you work hard enough, you will burn yourself out. Sometimes it's not about like grinding and grinding and grinding. Sometimes it's about the pauses and like stepping back and letting some time pass. Because I mean, <laughs> there's been so many times that I've like hit my head against the brick wall, trying to make things happen mm -hmm. when it was like, you just needed to stand back and be like, oh, maybe you need to go a different way. And I think that's like, giving yourself permission to try something different, giving yourself permission to look at it in a different perspective, giving yourself permission to say no, giving yourself permission to rest, I think is huge. So that's my, why I, I like gut it out, head through a brick wall, but I want to hear you guys. Um, you want me to go first, Kevin? Sure. Cause mine's not very exciting. Okay. <laughs> well, I think there's, several things. And what's interesting is that it's hard to always know really what the true answer is here. You formulate these preconceived notions of what it is that drives certain things. And you come, come on, just word wrong. vomit, get it out. <laughs> well, here it comes. Um, so the work ethic, I definitely relate to. Um, I think there's a certain level of stubbornness of, of being, um, I think I've tied success with work, like active work. And I think something that I might see, I suspect in other people too, but for myself, when there's a sense of laziness with pauses, because I think my brain has interpreted that because I'm, I have been at least on the surface successful to become a physician as a female or however you want to look at it. I, I feel like it's like I've tied being, being that person that's doing, 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 that's allowed me to be successful. But yet, what is success? You know, is success just you are trying to look good for the world and make your parents proud or you're 
perception that people will think you're great because you've achieved these things and you tie all those things together. So you feel um, less than if you take pauses, but you know, success when it comes to knowing who you are, not just what you've achieved. For me, I feel like that will be my ultimate success or at least the evolution of understanding myself in a way, in a depth that I've never been comfortable with addressing because I think I've not allowed the emotions to, for me to be aware enough about the emotions to understand them to the extent I should understand them. And so I think by keeping myself busy, those pauses that might give me the opportunity to understand those emotions and the depth of who I am, not just the superficial understanding, which, you know, most people look at me and be like, how do you not know who you are? Like, I mean, it, it's, it's a different level of understanding that this is who I genuinely, what, who I genuinely am, not what the world, what I think the world expects of me. And so, it's always changing. Yeah. That's the other thing is you have to, it's always changing. It's like those people who took a year off between college and med school. I was like, what? You yeah. travel? Like, what? Like, yes. I never understood. I get it now. Yeah. And I always tell people too, I'm like, you know, at the end of the life, at the end of your life, are you going to like have them tack your CV onto your tombstone? <laughs> or are you going to hope that there's the people around? Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, it's reformulating that grade card of like a writing a plus math a plus science and now it's like what what are we really going to grade our life on yeah and those are our measures of success now and i i know that's huge it's huge in the physician population of people who are like oh they work part time so you know they're not a real doctor and and looking at that and being like about that like you you need to step back and think about that yeah well it's interesting because if you don't have take enough if you don't have enough time or don't take the time to understand who you are or center on who just spending time with yourself then let's think about the relationships that are critical to not only just your generalized happiness or joy but you your overall health is tied to that as well so it makes you wonder if you're not even taking the time to know who you are, you're probably maybe not taking the time to really nurture the relationships that can really bring you the most joy and meaning in your life. Just a thought. That at least that's where I progress to in my life. Ask me in 10 it. years, I might have better reflection. <laughs> of course we will. Of course we'll have better reflection. And, sure. and again, it's like, that's, that's the path. Like we're always changing. It's really, it's really interesting. I'm doing a, a group right now and we're wrapping up at the end of 13 weeks. And I was even asking them last night, like think back 13 weeks ago in August and, and think about the change, you know, cause I think so many times we like base who we are on like our past selves, but we've got to keep doing is you, you've got to keep coming back to center. Like, who am I now? What do I value now? What are my priorities now? And, and really step into, well, then who do you want to become? And like show up as that, because mm. that is where you're going to see that all that change and traction. All right, Kevin, I want to hear your answer about pushing your head through the wall like the rest of us. Well, and the reason mine is so boring is um, 
I've never really had that external motivation. Like, I, like I, I think I'm, I'm, I was just an, an odd duck or whatever that I, I just never craved that external, you know, oh, you had to get all A's or you had to get all of this or you had to do whatever. I, it, it, um, and I'm, I'm not doing, this was definitely not like I was aware and I'm like some Zen Buddhist guy from six, but I was very comfortable in who I was. And I did things because I wanted to do them. Now, I've on the flip side of that, what's been a little bit destructive for me is when people tell me to do something, I have profound psychological reactions to anybody telling me what to do, unless it's in a situation that is appropriate. Like if you are in training and you have an attending and the attending says to do this in that relationship, I would do that. Um, but anytime that's outside of that, I don't have massive reactions. But I, so I never, I never necessarily struggled with those external, like I'm doing this because those people expect me to, I, I, this may also be a bad attitude. I was like, well, if they don't like me for who I am and they, they, this one act is the thing that is going to define who I am. Screw them. I don't care. I don't, I don't need them around. That's, that's basically what it is. Um, you know, I hear that from a lot of guys. I, and, I think and, it's and, a gender and, difference, honestly. I, very, you know, absolutely. That can be a great insight right there. Thank you for bringing that up because I wasn't even thinking that route. But as soon as you said that, absolutely. Because, and this is where that privilege thing comes up. And the idea that people get so react, you know, have so much reaction to this privilege. Oh, I'm not this way. I'm not a racist. I'm not that. You know, I'll, I'll, I appreciate whatever, when, when, you know, a woman could do the job, but she's got to do the same job as a man, whatever. But because we've come from that privilege, we can't see it. And since you said that, it makes me think of, well, you know, just what's the comments that are presented to men and women physicians? They're different. The way your patients present to you and how they discuss things with you is different. The comments that people say are different between men and women physicians. And that whole journey up there, I'm, I'm, I'm a little passionate because I'm like, holy crap, that is such a good insight because Absolutely. And thank you for bringing that up because that is so, particularly as a white male physician, we become oblivious to this stuff. And I was just talking with an orthopedic surgeon. He's near retirement. And he was like, Wiseman, there's never been a day that I haven't loved my job because he knows I do burnout coaching. And I was like, you know, I'm glad for you, but you've got to acknowledge that your experience is not everyone's experience. Because he was almost demeaning at times because he had served in the military and he had the very traditional wife who stayed home with the kids, you know, and, and I just had to say like, but you have to understand the system was built for you. So my experience is different. Yeah. And, and that's a good point because, okay, so I was lucky. I had a stable home life. I had a, a mother and close family members that absolutely, we had a wonderful family relationship. So I always felt that loving, protected, nurturing at home. And that was what I needed. You know, I had that environment. If you don't have that, I, I can see where, where you start being, you start your self image now starts to be crafted in such a way, be ton of those external perceptions of other people who may not have your best interests in mind. Um, I think wow. it would be really interesting to do a study among physicians with ACEs scores. So those are adverse childhood events um, that we can base a lot of uh, trauma work off of. A lot of um, like adult behavioral issues can be based off of ACEs scores. Um, and, and I'm going to venture to say, I think physicians probably 
a good part of us have some high A scores if we think about it. Um, and I think, like you said, you you came from a loving home where it was stable, uh, where mine was different. And maybe that's part of why my physician road has been a little bit different as well. No, I, I, I would be very interested in that study too. So if someone wants to go do a study, um, I would be the first one to, to read it because I, I think that was fascinating. And, and you, because when you start delving into early developmental uh, incidences and how they impact not only your, your physical health, but your mental health as well, you know, what about professional health? Like you're bringing up, you know, how would that change you? I mean, that's a good, good thing for the listeners to think about here. If you're listening to this stuff and you're thinking, oh, you know, you know, bias isn't true. And if you work hard enough, everything works out. If you work hard enough, things will get better generally. But just think about how your perspective changed if you go back to your childhood and now you don't know what the roof on your head is going to be. Or maybe you're in an abusive relationship or you're watching, you know, spousal abuse or maybe it's childhood abuse. And just imagine for a little bit, if you didn't have those spaces, that place of refuge, how would that affect you now? And I think if people are being honest, they would say, well, we don't really know. And we don't. Um, and I, and I, again, I think for a lot of people, we forget of where they're coming from and who they are now that, that, that impacts the actions that they're doing now. And I think we need a little bit more empathy about that and a little bit more understanding about that. And just to be more appreciative and try to make it so that for, for, you know, we'll never be perfect, but let's make the world a little bit better place where we start recognizing that everybody should feel safe. So. Yeah. And I think it goes back to, instead of asking people what's wrong with you, we ask them what's happened to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, not to get too down and personal, but um, for me, school was the safest place and achievements were the safest place because I got accolades and out of girls in sports. And I, I think that fed into this as a young adult, as a teenager, as a, you know, moving on that I can see that patterning now. Mm. You just made a light bulb go off of my head. Do I have a little light bulb I can put up? <laughs> I think she's making light bulbs go off all over the place. So yes, yeah. she is. No, it's, it's, it's so true. Cause if you're not getting the emotional support at home in the way that you probably need, if you have to go get it in your own form through achievements, that super resonates. Yeah. Interesting. So when three DOs get together, (laughs) our powers unite. We take it to another level. Mm -hmm. Well, well, thank you for all of your insightful wisdom um, that you brought to the Change Physician podcast today. And I don't want to cut you off, uh, Kevin, but uh, would you like me to take us out on this episode? Absolutely. And I'll just say, like I always say, we could probably sit and keep doing this conversation for another hour, but really respecting your time and thank you for coming on. Yeah. No kids well, this time. What's that? No children in the background. Oh, I know. You know, it, it'll it be an easy, clean edit. So uh, and anyway, not that we don't mind uh, our little visitors at times. Um, keeps it interesting. It, it creates change, which has been your focus of your word today. And, uh, you know, all of you out there, you know, really maybe think about your word um, or maybe just, re- you know, think about the word change and how that might apply to your life, your career, 
And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Again, I'm Melissa Cady, joined by my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro, and our lovely returning guest, Dr. Aaron Wiseman. And we will see you again next Thank time. Thank you for joining us today on the Change Physician Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com. 